Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! Early morning edition of the Can't Wait podcast. If you're joining the stream, it is just after 9 a.m. on the East Coast. Me and Zach are busy people, apparently, and we're squeezing this one in early on a Friday. So if you are here and joining us live, thank you so much uh, for getting up early. Hopefully you have some some coffee brewing. Zach, I don't see that you have coffee in front of you. Mine is I already had my brewing, coffee. So, oh, wow. I've uh, We have an early morning routine around here because I drive Samantha to the path uh, early in the morning because she has to get to school in the city. That's kind of like the, the arrangement we have. I like doing it. But with some of my routine, I drop her off. And then I take my dog to this park that's by this coffee shop I like in Jersey City called Mod Cup. Get a coffee, walker, come back to the apartment, get ready to go to Jets or whatever. So it's kind of the routine I got going. That's a nice That's good. It's you know, it's yeah. good to have a teacher involved to make you get up. Mm. <laughs> Especially when you work like at home. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing otherwise things get away from you. But my coffee I, I, will be the reward for uh, for finishing off this pod. So she she understands she kind of gets my job to a degree now, but I do wonder like when we were early dating where, she, you know, she, she had this normal schedule. She has all the stress at work. It's not like I don't like, there's definitely a level of stress covering the jets, especially, but like, especially days like yesterday where, or Wednesday where the jets don't even start until uh, 1230. Like the day didn't even start until 1230. So I just have all morning basically to like do whatever I want. Um, it's a very like weird schedule and life that I live as a sports writer, especially like people in, so any sports writer will tell you this, like people in your, in their lives don't really like understand how things like when we go home, like our, we're not necessarily done working. Like it might come in any time or um, like the time of the year is kind of dependent on how busy we are. We might be busy every day or not have nothing to do. Like it's, it's a very weird life. And my family still does not really understand it, frankly. <laughs> and you could be out doing something fun and suddenly have to yeah. work on the fly on your phone or whatever. It's, yep. it's I have a lot of stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's definitely uh, plenty of pros and and some cons as well. Uh, Taylor Delgado is here. He has commented in the Thanks, comment Taylor. section. Can we all agree this is too early for a podcast? <laughs> I think we can, Taylor. But it was it was now or never. So we're getting yeah. it in, and, and hopefully the, so the chat now. gets going. Uh, if you haven't dropped us a five star review on Apple, um, do it. We're running out of time before we read some of the best ones before the end of the year. It's the holiday season push for five star reviews. Thanks for playing along with us on that. Uh, we are going to get to Zach Wilson, AFC player of the week, Zach Wilson, uh, and talk about the possibilities, the comments about if he could be traded at the end of the season. Uh, we're going to talk about Jeff Albrecht. Zach has a great feature out on the athletic uh, just dropped this morning on Jeff Ulbrich. Um, his value, the fact that he could be a head coach uh, and a lot of that stuff. We'll get you ready for the dolphins as well and do our picks. But before we get to all of that, because it is Friday morning and because the Thursday night football game went off the rails and kind of relates to some of this stuff, I thought we could, uh, we could start there, Zach, uh, the chargers lose to the Raiders 
63-21. It was 42 to nothing at halftime. These are two teams that beat the Jets. That many points were not scored in either of those games because of Jeff Ulbrich and this this Jets great defense. Uh, but when you look at this game from a coaching standpoint, it's really fascinating. The Raiders were obviously, you know, lost early in the season, adrift with with Josh McDaniels. They fire him. Antonio Pierce gets the the job as the uh, interim coach wins that first game. They're smoking cigars in the locker room, all of that. Uh, there's been some up and downs, but he has them locked in. And then on the other side, more of what I think we should get into, right, is, is Brandon Staley. The Chargers are done. And and it seems like he's done, too. It's it's kind of crazy because, I, I mean, no, number one, like there's so many, like, takeaways to have from this. Uh, like the ones that are running to my head, like, Number one, like you kind of, I feel like Herbert's almost underappreciated what like the the kind of dreck he was dealing with around him, like talent wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you look at how bad they are, I mean, uh, Easton Stick, which is an elite name, is not a like an NFL quarterback probably, and um, so like you see what Herbert was even able to get them in, like kind of in playoff contention this year, it says a lot about what Herbert can do. But um, that for years it felt it always felt like they had a great roster and they would fall short every year. That was like the Chargers tradition. This was this is like the first time it feels like they don't even have like anybody like who's who's like a core player you can count on being with them for a long time like you Herbert yeah maybe like Rashawn Slater um, but like a lot of these other guys are either aging or injury prone or are injured right now or overpaid and it's Keenan Allen's very good but he's probably getting older too yeah, but yeah ultimately the the circle back like the GM has done a terrible job of building the roster and then it's like uh, we've talked a lot about on here about as the jets were being really bad if the locker room it was sticking together how that how solid could keep it together uh, especially with the offense playing as bad as it was i think you saw in this game what it looks like when the locker room is falling apart or is not like behind the head coach like cuz you don't go out on thursday night in front of the entire world and have put an effort like that like it wasn't just that they were outmanned like there was low effort like if you look at some of those interceptions the the 320 pound defensive tackle running for the touchdown, like nobody was running after him. Like it, it was just like very, there's no energy. It didn't seem like they were prepared. Like Brandon Staley could say what he wants in these press conferences and shout out to Daniel Popper, who was like grilling him and wrote a great column this morning about how everybody needs to go. Like, I, I guess at, to tie it back to the Jets, like it could always be worse. Like the Chargers are in a much worse spot than the Jets are. The Jets have an elite defense. They have Garrett Wilson, they have Brees Hall. Um, they have Aaron Rodgers coming back at some point, whether it's this year or next year. Like they have reasons for optimism where I don't know that the Chargers have any. And I'm curious, like they're always like bandied about as like, okay, any coach is going to try an angle to get to the Chargers because they have Justin Herbert. But as as great as it is to have a great quarterback, they don't have anything around him. Like so, is this as appealing of a job as like we all thought it was? Like I don't know. And there's going to be a new GM. Like maybe if. Belichick wanted to leave and he could be the GM for the Chargers, which I don't know if a team wants to give that's not gonna Belichick GM duties. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that won't help either. But it's it's a very interesting spot because I feel like every year you go in you go into a season thinking the Chargers are gonna be good. There was probably less hype around them this year, but they always had like the talent and they always fell short, but now they just don't have the talent and they're worse than ever. So it's it's interesting. Staley's uh Staley's an interesting one because he, he was kind of like a wonderkind with uh mm-hmm. Sean McVay probably got a head coaching job sooner than he should have. I would say it seems like 
he's more that was when anybody with a connection to McVeigh was yeah it was like the joke is I had I had a cup of coffee with him so I became a head coach yeah Um, but he seems like one of those guys that was more of an X's and O's guy than a leader uh is my impression and you know he maybe he can bounce back and I, I don't think he's a bad coach necessarily I don't think he's a great coach either so I'm curious to see what happens with him I'm sure he'll become a DC for somebody and do pretty well with that. Some guys are meant to be DCs and not head coaches. I think you've seen that a lot. And yeah, that it, it just feels like that's going to be an, op- that we knew it was kind of going to be an opening early in the season, but it's might be an opening in the near, very near future. I, say. I mean, yeah, I think the the you know, we're on watch at this point as far as Stanley goes. Um, that's a great transition though, as far as defensive coordinators who make great coaches versus defensive coordinators who are just great defensive coordinators. And you have the story out about Jeff Ulbrich. And I think a lot, there's a lot of little nuggets in that story that lean towards Jeff Ulbrich being a guy who could be a great head coach and not just the defensive coordinator. So let's get into it a little bit. I'll start here though. Great coach, terrible taste in beer. <laughs> like you, you're, I don't know. You don't know? Bud Light Lime? I, 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 I'd say I, I remember when Bud Light Limes came out. I was in college then and, and right after college. I remember just loving them. They're like, you know, it's not like a, an expensive craft beer, and they got a little lime in there. Uh, it's a step up from Zima. Step up from Keystone Light. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, it's just kind of, you know, they're football players, and like the, the whole, my whole like lead was like, Jeff Ulbrich, like, in a meeting, was like, "Right now, it'd be great to have a fucking beer." Like, and then they would like all they all went around the room saying what they wanted, and then him and Tequila Spikes were like, "I kind of want a Bud Light Lime," and they like knew exactly how they liked it. And then you know, when they had an off night, the linebackers would go find a restaurant that had them, and it was just like a bonding thing. It's and that kind of like it being such a niche like beer like that kind of like makes the story like that anecdote kind of like sing. I feel like Cause it was just like, yeah, we just wanted to go and get even just a regular Bud Light. Like, I, I don't think that really that doesn't really resonate as much with me. So I, as soon as Spike started like saying the story, then I brought it up to Patrick Willis and he's like, and he started laughing. He's like, yeah, we, it, it didn't make him the story, but he said they, they wound up at like Hooters a lot. Cause that, it seemed like they always had them. Um, and they make so, the yeah, barkman to put it in the, in the back of the fridge to get it just yeah. to the right temperature. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that I, I, I use that as a lead uh, because that like became for him and spikes, like spikes told me the story about, um, I mean, just like generally about how like he didn't have like a wife and kids when he was in the NFL, uh, at least at that point of his career. Jeff Ulbrich had, a, a, if not all of his kids, at least one or two of them. And he was married. And Jeff like would tell anybody who would listen how important it was to like give as much effort in your home life as you do. Like if you give 70 percent of the, it didn't this specific quote didn't make it in. But um, he, he told Spikes, he's like, if you'd give 70 percent of the effort that you give as a player to your to your home life to your family then you, when you when you get out of the nfl you will not be broke and divorced like a lot of a lot of guys wind up being in this in this league like if you devote all that energy and and so like they would spice would be having a tough day you know he was a very high energy intense player if you remember tequila spikes yeah um and and Ulbrich would see that he'd be like tequila we're gonna or he say spikes we're gonna go we're gonna go get a beer we're not gonna talk about football um and so that so that, that was like the connection he made he like made connections with guys throughout his journey and i think that's the biggest thing that stuck out to me writing the story yeah and, and he you know later in his career when spikes arrived he you know was at the end of his career spikes was brought, basically brought in to replace him and yeah. he embraced him and he and he at that point he was kind of a coach on the field for those niners teams 10 years with the same organization um pretty yeah. impressive 
One of the other things that stood out, and you talked to Scott Pioli, obviously, you know, great um, front office guy in the NFL, and he talked about Jeff Ulbrich, the talent evaluator. And yeah. that's one of the things where you start to think like head coach too, not just like the connection with players, um, but this is a guy that has an eye for actually gauging talent. He's not just drawing up the X's and O's and, and making the talent he has work, but he knows what is good. And, and he's, that's throughout his career. And Pioli said, has said he's one of the best talent evaluators in terms of like coaches that he's like worked with, um, which is high praise. I think Pioli worked for Belichick and, and that staff. So, that first, um, the first run of Super Bowls, Pioli was. Yeah, there. totally. But I, I think it's the cop, like the combo of being a great a talent evaluator and a developer of talent is like the the biggest like praise you can give a guy trying to become a head coach. On top of like being able to stand in front of a room and lead a, a group of men and like get them to really get going. Like if you look at how the Jets' defense has played, um, in spite of how bad the offense has been, like we talk over and over again about how like they easily could have folded by now. They've had a couple of bad games, but mostly they've been great. They had maybe their best game against the Texans. Since last year, they rank at or near the top in like pretty much every notable stat. Um, and obviously Robert Sala deserves some credit for that. Like he he like came here, brought his scheme, but he handed the keys to Jeff Ulbrich for a reason. And so Ulbrich runs that defense. He's the defensive coordinator. He calls the plays. He makes the decisions. Like things like that Eagles game, which is the one I highlighted in here, where Without Sauce Gardner, without DJ Reed, you have to play Bryce Hall. You have to play Craig James. You have to play uh, Tay, what's the guy's name? Tay Hayes. Uh, you have to play. You know, you're moving. He's moving guys around. Like he, he came up with a game plan to shut down one of the most explosive offenses in the league. And um, he's been. He's got a lot. I think at the beginning of his time with the Jets, fans would get frustrated because he wouldn't adjust. He would just stay with what the Jets were doing. You've seen him like throw blitzes into the mix every now and then at the right exact perfect time and. They've shut down quarterbacks, and I, I, I just – he's gotten better and better as, as he's gotten more experience. And so that's why I, I do think he's ready for the next step. And I talked to a bunch of Jets guys in the locker room too. It's all in the story. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know if we'll get the opportunity. A lot of times you don't really get it the first try. Like it's pretty rare for that to happen It's because he hasn't even been interviewed yet. Uh, but I, I would be surprised if he didn't at least get some interviews this offseason. Yeah, and Dan Botter saying, I really hope they can keep him for one more season at least so they can run it back with this defense, which is is a great point. You'd love, you know, you love guys to succeed and get that opportunity, but you also, as frustrating as this season has been as a Jets fan, like, man, one more year with everything intact and without Aaron Rodgers injured would, would certainly be nice. Um, back to, to Staley and what we were talking about at the top of the show at the Chargers, Obviously, Robert Sala deserves credit for keeping this Jets team together. Um, I think it was proof last weekend that nobody in that, in that locker room has quit on this team. Um, they were rallying around Zach Wilson in his return. The defense yeah. just continues to turn up. But I think Albrecht probably deserves just as much credit as Sala because if someone was going to quit on this team, it would be the defense, right? That was frustrated. The offense didn't really matter. I mean, they've been so bad that whether or not they yeah. quit, probably you wouldn't even notice. But defensively, he's the one with those guys day in and day out, and he's kept them focused despite, I mean, the conversations they must have behind closed doors. I mean, I would imagine about, you know, what's going on on the other side of the ball. And, man, if we yeah. give up one touchdown, we lose the game. And and he somehow has kind of battered all that down and kept this defense razor-focused. Yeah. 
And I, I think a lot of times we talk about, like, imagine what the record would be if their offense could score any points. On the flip side of that, imagine what the record would be if Jeff Ulbrich hasn't kept the defense afloat. Like, um, and we, I think we talked about earlier in the week, they've had good luck with injuries again. Um, but, like, the fact, like, if the defense wasn't one of the top five defenses in the league, they might not be five and eight right now. <laughs> like, yeah. think about that. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, he deserves a lot of the credit. And, again, there, if, if this is a Jets team that finishes – you know, six and 11, seven and 10, whatever it is. Like it, it's, it's not often that I feel like losing teams lose coordinators to become head coaches either. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear. And like their jet struggles are not the fault of the defensive side of the ball. And, and I was asked uh, on Twitter, I might've been boy green. Um, like who would replace him hypothetically if he left. Uh, and I think the two obvious candidates are Tony Odin who, uh, oh, so there we go. Taylor Delgado asked it too. I think Tony Odin is an obvious one. Uh, though I think he's especially good just in that role as the defensive backs or cornerbacks coach. Marquand Manuel is is the one that I have my eye on. I think he's he's a guy who's been a defensive coordinator before. He's a great leader. I actually heard that um, he made a speech to the team on Saturday that really resonated, like before the Texans game. Um, and then they went out and played the way they did. Uh, he only coaches safety, so like we don't talk to him. That, so we get to talk to position coaches like every couple of weeks. We have to put in requests. And he only has like three players in his room, so it's hard for us to like – if any week, maybe this week to talk about Ashton Davis, I guess, but I, I, I was working on this story, so I didn't really get to request him, but yeah, he's, he's, been, he's a very impressive guy. If you talk to him, he kind of just like sounds like a guy who's going to, who can lead a, lead a team. So I'd, I'd keep my eye on Marquand Manuel if, if Jeff Ulbrich were to leave, which I, I'm not saying I think he's going to, I think he deserves to deserves to get a job, but I don't, I'm not ready to predict that he will yet. Yeah, this may be the year that, like you said, he goes through the interview process, hopefully with a couple teams, but he doesn't quite get there. And then that kind of lines guys up usually for the for the next round to be better yeah. prepared. Not only is Zach Wilson the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, but the fact that Tommy DeVito is the NFC <laughs> Player of the Week, this was a special weekend in the NFL with those two um, taking those awards. I, I think that the NFL clearly was just like capitalizing on Tommy DeVito mania because his numbers weren't even that good, frankly. Um, I think he had like a hundred something passing yards and 70 rushing yards, but they, you know, they're, they gotta, they gotta keep the, keep the DeVito train going. Tommy Cutlets. I, not to be a negative Nancy, I have or Debbie Downer, however you want to describe it. I I've had a little bit enough of the Tommy DeVito thing. Um, it's fun for giants fans. Like I'm not going to rain on their parade too much, but like I, that agent and all that stuff, like it's just, it's just, the agent's not real. There's no way the agent yeah. is real. I've decided that <laughs> they're filming some sort of weird movie and he's a character. Oh in it, my but, God. Well, it does feel like this is going to make a movie someday. Cause if you think about like, I think about that invincible movie with Mark Wahlberg about Vince Papali, like this kind of feels like similar vibes, uh, especially <laughs> a guy from the area. Um, and it's like everything that's happening. They've like fully, you know, they were in the MetLife parking lot, like giving away chicken cutlets the other day before the game. Like they've fully embraced it. I think his dad has been on some commercials on WFAN, uh, like advertising a plumbing company or something. So they're like fully embracing this moment, like all the power to them. Um, but I don't, I'm not a Giants fan, so I don't need to necessarily enjoy it as much. But I, it, it is going to be funny to me next year when Tommy DeVito returns, Daniel Jones is healthy, Daniel Jones starts. And anytime Daniel Jones makes a mistake, they're going to be calling for Tommy Cutlets, and it's, it's going to be great. On the other side, Zach Wilson did play. <laughs> I think Zach Wilson was, you know, worthy of the award considering what he did in that game. Um, but also there's the talk now that the, the Jets have already told him that 
he would he could be traded um, at the end of the year. And we talked Zach about it. We can say it again, right? The better he plays over the next month probably means he's more likely to be traded. Yeah, I, I think either in either direction, I feel pretty confident he's not going to be back next year. I just think both sides are ready for a mutual parting of the ways. Um, but yeah, like I, if he plays like this or even close to it, like almost, I almost feel like him playing that game and then Rogers coming back would have been best case for him because then he could sit on that and then teams would be like, Ooh, maybe there's something here. And I think that's the ultimate thing. I was talking about it with Diana the other day. Um, there's, there's going to be, there's some teams in the league or there's going to be teams in the league who see like the skills that he has and are going to be like, you know, they did, just didn't know how to coach him. Like we can untap his potential. You'd, you'd hope for his sake that he goes to a team that's great at developing quarterbacks, a team like the chiefs, like the Eagles, some um, um, blanking on other teams that are good at it. Uh, Cause there's a lot of bad quarterback playing in the league right now. The, the Dolphins but, um, now. Yeah. The Dolphins. I mean, the Cowboys, like teams that are, that have like done a good job of developing quarterbacks where he can be a backup and not have a lot of attention on him. I think that would be ideal, but if he keeps feeling like this, he might have a chance to compete for a starting job next year. And so these next four games are, are an audition tape for him. Like this is, that's what it is, especially as he plays better teams like the Dolphins um, this week, you have the Browns coming up. They have one of the league's best defenses. He's always struggled against the Patriots. Like these are, these are games that, you know, Washington, he should be able to go off against. Um, it'd be disappointing if he didn't, but yeah, that's where we're at. Like he, we're not going to make the playoffs. This is right now. This is for Zach. This is just about proving that he deserves to be an NFL quarterback, which, you know, for most of his career, he hadn't really proven that. So um, I think we've, we've all always thought like the talent was there. Um, he just wasn't able to put it together. He would get nervous or whatever it was like he, the confidence wasn't there. The, the effort attitude that he played with this last week, he needs to bring that every week. And if he does that, he can be good. But we also like, I think it's, it's fair to say that, when Zach has had good games, and there's been a few of them, the Chiefs game is the one this season. He's rarely had back-to-back good games. I don't think he has had back-to-back good games in his career so far. And so he has to prove that he can do this on a sustained level for multiple weeks. Because it, he was good last week, but if you only do it once every four games or whatever, then it d- doesn't really uh, matter as much. So this is going to be a big week for him to show that it wasn't an aberration. Yeah, and mindset-wise, last week clearly like you said, the, the effort attitude and, you know, being thrown back in as the starter again, now that he's proven himself, there's a mental thing there too, where you see how he handles that. And if he can, if he can have that same effort attitude again, or if he puts more pressure on himself because, Oh, I played well last week, uh, thinking about my future. Like maybe he's too careful that the following week because of that. So plenty, plenty to see. I, you know what? I don't want to say we're dreading the final month of the jet season, the way it was headed um, with Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon. I was dreading the final month of the jet season <laughs> and Zach playing the way he did last week and, and being able to like now take this next month and, and watch him as it's kind of like a spark. Like I'm excited to see what he does um, knowing that he's probably not back with the team, but you know, we've been along for this ride for the last two plus seasons of the Zach Wilson experience. Um, and it, it's it's just going to I think it's better to have just have him out there and see see what happens over the last month, as opposed to like what the plan was a couple weeks ago, which was Zach's not going to play again this year. And we're going to ride with Boyle and Simeon. Yeah, I mean, it is 
in retrospect, it does seem kind of crazy that they started to boil it all. But also, <laughs> who knows if Zach would be, who knows if Zach would be in this position if he wasn't benched right. again? Frankly, because he told teammates um, that, like, what do I have to lose? Am I going to get benched again? Like, so what? Like, I've been benched so many times at this point. Um, so ultimately, the being benched for Tim Boyle might have been. You know, maybe he can thank Tim Boyle for motivating him to get to where he is now. I don't know. When he makes his um, first Pro Bowl, he can bring Tim Boyle. Yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, you know, I we'll see. Like, we need to. Like, I always say, until you see it, you can't. Like, it's hard to believe that it's going to happen. And we haven't seen him have sustained success yet. So um, he still has that to prove. But this last week definitely went a long way toward him rebuilding his image around the league. I would say. Yeah, we will see how that goes. All right, so the Dolphins are up next. Um, yeah. Obviously, a challenge a challenge for Zach Wilson, but more so, I think, a challenge for this defense that did a, did a pretty good job, to be honest, against the Dolphins on the Black Friday disaster. Um, and I was going to start by saying, and I think back on that game, and like the Hail Mary pick six, you know, 34 oh to 13 national TV audience, first Black Friday game ever in the NFL. Um, it felt like rock bottom for this yeah. kind of Jets team. But then they had the next week. So I, it's almost like they hit rock bottom and then they took another step down before last week, obviously, some kind of turnaround. But now they come back not far later, you know, against this Dolphins team. And before Monday night, I kind of thought they had a chance in this game because the Dolphins were riding, you know, a bit of a win streak and there's always bumps in the road for every NFL team. The Dolphins losing Monday night. I don't know. They got, it was like the wake up call that the Jets could have given them this week. They already got on Monday and I don't think that bodes well for this game. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. And, you know, Mike McDaniel is one of the best play callers in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see that chess match between him and Ulbricht, but if, if you want to believe the Jets have a chance, I think there are two reasons for that. Number one is Tyree Kill is not guaranteed to play, and even if he does, he is bagged up. Although if Tyree Kill's playing, you imagine he's still going to be able to beat anybody that covers him. Like he's he's maybe the best like player in the league right now. I think he's just so fun to watch. And the other thing is the Dolphins are likely going to be starting former Jet Jonathan Harrison at center, who signed with them two days ago and hasn't played an NFL game in four years. So Quinn and Williams should eat. Like, if Quinn Williams doesn't have a dominant game, I'd be surprised. And so if you can force some turnovers, get Tua rattled, keep it, keep them from getting the ball to Tyreek or Jalen Waddle, stop the running game. Rohe Mostert, I think, had two touchdowns against them. Like, then you have a chance of winning a low-scoring game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Dolphins are going to be highly motivated coming off that game. Um, I think they see everybody talking great about Zach Wilson. I think that defense is going to try and rattle him a little bit. And so I'm, I'm very curious to see how this game goes. I do think the Jets can win. I think the line is a little high, frankly. We're going to talk about that when we do the our picks. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. But I, I the Dolphins are a really good team, and they're well coached. And so I, I don't know. It's going to be. We're going to really find out what the Jets are made of and what Zach Wilson is made of because this is a real challenge. It's probably their hardest game on the rest of the schedule, honestly. I was going through the the box score from the last meeting and you know they did a pretty good job against Tua. He had you know they picked him off a couple times. Um it wasn't crazy yards, but the receivers did surprisingly the receivers had big games. Uh Hill and Waddle were both over 100 yards. I shouldn't say surprising they're elite receivers, but 
when you're talking about, you know, sauce and Reed, you yeah. never expect to see two receivers going over a hundred yards in a game. And they were able to do that. Yeah. And you mentioned the rushing yards, like uh, combined, they were, you know, I think over 150 yards on the ground. Overall, the yardage was 395 to, to 159. Late in the game, you know, this game got away. And I, and yeah. I think, you know, it got away from them there too. But besides being able to do a little more defensively, you know, with those injuries, you know, how do you see Zach matching up this time when he didn't get to play in that game three weeks ago? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I feel better about him against the defense than Tim Boyle. Um, yes. I think that's clear. So, I don't know. Like, if Zach plays like he did against the Texans, then I feel good about it. Like, I, I think the Dolphins have talented defensive players. They lost Jalen Phillips in that game, if you remember, and he was playing really well. I didn't watch Hard Knocks, but apparently that was a big part of that episode. Um, as was uh, Mike McDaniel making fun of Woody Johnson's chain, which <laughs> – Made me respect, made me laugh. I should say um, that was a funny moment. Um, but yeah, I just it just ultimately comes up down to what version of Zach we're going to see. Like if he's playing with confidence, if he's taking risks, if he's making the easy throws, then I do think they can beat the Dolphins. But we need to see, um, we need to see him do it against a good defense um, and a good team. I should say, not a great defense, but a, a solid defense, and we need to see him do it in a back-to-back game. So. Um, yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson's the X factor and it's, he's going to be in every game he plays in for this team. All right, I'm going to throw this in just cause I, I don't like trolls, but, uh, rain regime says Zach feels better with Zach Wilson now, but before he hated him, first of all, hate's not a nice word and we definitely didn't hate him, <laughs> but being critical of his play when he was playing terribly, like historically bad is perfectly fair. And then on the other side, seeing the next option play even worse there's nothing wrong with then evaluating that and saying like, no, yep. Zach Wilson's the best option here. Yep. I, I don't really have much to add to that, but yeah, I, I think <laughs> ju- ju- just because Tim Boyle was worse, doesn't mean benching Zach was the wrong move at the time. It was the right move at the time. And that's an important stipulation. And so that's, I'll stand on that. I've, we've talked about this enough, but um, yeah. That's Dan Blotter jumping in saying literally every Jet fan hated Zach then too. So thanks Dan. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Anything else on that matchup? Should we jump into picks? Uh, no, I, I think like matchup wise, there's not really a lot of like, it's all the obvious stuff. It's like Jalen Ramsey going against, or is Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard going against Garrett Wilson? It's Brees Hall in the passing game. It's Quinton Williams in the, against the interior of that O-line. Like it's a lot of the obvious ones that you would expect. And so, um, and it's Sauce Garner and DJ Reed on Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Um, and the, it's all the obvious matchups that, you know, they won some of them and lost some of them last game. But, yeah, I feel I feel good about how the Jets match up, but it just comes down to Zach Wilson, I think. We will see. All right, time for picks presented by BetMGM. Always appreciate BetMGM, and, and they supply the picks. And we are going to start with the standings. As we narrow things down, we still have a one person in the lead. It's a new leader, though, K-M-C-A-S-A-Z-Z. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, has been at the top or near the top uh, throughout the season. I think he's bounced up to the top a couple of times, but back there now, won one week throughout the year, um, 107 for 192, 55.73%, just edging out new Nijmegen Jets, who was the leader. And then there's a little gap here, Zach, be down to ESS, which is 103. Um, so it's become a two-horse race in the picks. Yeah. 
And maybe over the next couple of weeks, we try to get both of those guys on if it stays that way. Yes, yeah, I like about it. The, uh, the competition down the stretch. Uh, all right, and let's get into this week's games. Last week, I failed to get the pick in on time, of course, as did you. Um, that one yeah. went Vegas big way. Three and a half favorites by Las <laughs> Vegas. That was one of those. It rarely happens when you play sports bets that after like five minutes of a game, you're like, you know, all you're right, well, I won that one. Well, I, I looked but, uh, on FanDuel like in the early fourth quarter and it was Raiders minus 55 and a half, which I don't think I've ever seen an NFL game before. <laughs> uh, all right. There are some some fun matchups uh, through yeah. the week. Minnesota Cincinnati is like the the life on support Saturday. game where somehow both those teams are are still alive for the playoffs despite terrible quarterback situations. Yeah. Although the Bengals Browning's been good, getting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, getting good quarterback play. Um big chance for Cleveland to improve the nine and five. We always like to mention them. Uh, but Baltimore Jacksonville is interesting. The Bills seem to maybe have righted the ship a little bit through all the controversy. Uh, I'm sorry, Buffalo and Dallas uh, and Buffalo favored in that game, Zach, two and a half against a Dallas team that has been rolling. Um, feels like Vegas is smart. And so I went with Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, that's one of those games where you're, that's one of those games where you're like, why? Because they had if you remember, they had like the Cowboys favored at Philadelphia and everybody was like, wait, what? And so the fact that this is the case now, like is very confusing to me. <laughs> But it, it does always seem to play out the way they they predict it. So I did I did do Dallas plus two and a half because I'm a sucker. Uh, but I'll say w- one game I was I had my eye on actually is the Lions Broncos game because those are two teams going in different directions and it has the Broncos as four and a half point underdogs, which is a decently sized number for a team that looks like there might be a playoff team, which is crazy to think about with how they looked against the Jets in Week Five. Like it looked bad, um, and everybody's making fun of Sean Payton back then. They're, everybody's quieted down with that. Um, yeah, I I'm took Denver. With them. It just feels like the four yeah. and a half is a, is a gift. And I also took the Bucks plus three and a half against the Packers. The Packers look really bad against the Giants. Maybe they'll bounce back. That NFC South, it just feels like it's going to be a different team leading the division every week. Um, I have, and also, I thought the Giants line, as much as I don't think the Giants are very good, like I don't think the Saints are very good either. So six and a half seemed like a lot to me, even though it's in New Orleans. Um, Tommy Cutlets against a good defense, but. I think that the Giants can cover that line. Yeah, I took the Giants as well. And, and then, then one and then we, more. And then we, and we, I was to say, we both took the Jets plus nine and a half. I don't know if that's what you're about to say, but. Uh, I wasn't, but yes. Yeah, Jets not, plus nine and a half. It just seems like t- too many points with the, the way the team played last week. Um, and it would have been, I don't know if the spread would have been the same if the Dolphins had won Monday night, but I think that would have been an easy one in that case. Uh, the only other game I had kind of circled was as an interesting game. Baltimore at Jacksonville, um, Jacksonville home underdog three and a half. Trevor Lawrence obviously played last week, but didn't play well. Yeah. Baltimore, they just keep winning in different ways and it's always close. And and I just yeah. feel like they're going to drop one at some point, And this seems like a good one to drop. Yeah. Th- that That's why the Ravens, it feels like are the AFC favorite, but it's all, like you said, it's like every week, it seems like their games are like, they like just win, but sometimes that's all you need. If you just keep doing that over and over, they have a great quarterback and a great defense, but yeah, the AFC is so wide open and weird this year. Like I, I don't feel great about really anybody like the Ravens, maybe like the chiefs are a disaster right now. Um, 
the Bills have been very up and down. The Dolphins have been up and down. Like, I don't feel like I can declare any of these teams like the absolute AFC favorite. Like, it, it could be a weird team that makes the Super Bowl this year, frankly. Yeah, and, and it's it's almost it's more frustrating because what well, we thought the Jets, the yeah. Jets were going to be this year, and yeah. everything has kind of opened up. And with the Rodgers yep. injury, it just hasn't played out. But you you just like you have those thoughts of what could have been in an AFC that is just totally. Flawed. And then the and NFC is it, just it'll, and it'll be it'll be better next year too because everybody will be coming back from these injuries and stuff. So um, <laughs> all the quarterbacks, yeah, yeah. So the AFC Super Bowl person who knows like you said it could be a, a wild upset and who knows who gets there and then at the, the nfc you just have like this three-headed monster with the niners the cowboys and the eagles that you would assume one of them is going to get there and will be the favorite in the super bowl that's what it feels like right now as we talk in mid-december it feels like the 49ers are the runaway favorite right now um, yeah. that doesn't always pan out once the playoffs come but a, brock purdy is has been the one thing I'm fascinated by is MVP. Like it feels like the weirdest MVP race ever because it feels like right now it's probably between like Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy, which like saying that out loud seems kind of crazy. I mean, Tyreek Hill should be in there. I don't think he actually will be, but I think he should be a finalist. Like if I was voting, I, I don't know. I don't know if I put him number one, but I think I might be between Dak and him right now. If I, if I was guessing, I, I think Brock Purdy's very good and he probably doesn't get enough credit. I don't think he's the reason why they're winning. Like, I don't think he's the most valuable player on the 49ers. So I don't know how he could be the most valuable player of the league. Lamar, he doesn't have, he's like week to week. You never know what you're going to get like passing wise, but you know, he's, he's the best player on the, maybe the best AFC team. But yeah, I think right now it's probably Dak Prescott just because the numbers are great. The Cowboys are dominating. And so I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Dak as, as the guy right now. Have you talked to this? This just brings me up because Connor, hates mike mccarthy Ugh. so much oh, yeah that i wonder how he's feeling about the cowboys right now well he, he only tweets he doesn't tweet about mike mccarthy when he's doing well that's connor saying when he hates somebody he waits <laughs> like russell you haven't seen you haven't seen a russell wilson tweet from him in a while <laughs> there you have it all right um this has been fun enjoy the dolphins game i think it's going to be um interesting just to see zach and, yeah. and what comes out of uh fall another rainy game week. another rainy game by the way it's gonna be very rainy in uh, miami yeah Every not week. too cold and it did it, yeah rainy it didn't bother zach though like and he doesn't do yeah, the glove true. thing but he i mean he was not bothered at all by the rain so i don't know if tua has rain issues or not but maybe that that plays into this thing a little bit yeah uh, so you're you're heading to miami and not getting good weather is that what you're saying yeah, very disappointing. I'm leaving tonight, actually. We're going – Samantha's coming with me. We're going early because we wanted to have – you know, we planned this like months ago. We we're like, it's going to be a nice weekend in Miami. We'll go to the beach. We'll, you know, have some fun in the sun. And it's going to – there's like a tropical storm or some some crap going on right now. It's like the worst timing. Like December Miami trip is always the best idea. Yeah, yeah when the schedule comes here, out and you get Miami late. That's, yep. Yeah. We had, the, we had it in January last year. It was perfect, but – you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make the best of it, but it is very disappointing that the weather sucks. All right. Well, do do what you can down there. Um, I'm sure the writing will be great. Uh, if you haven't joined The Athletic, um, do it now. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. Get that great story that Zach wrote today about Jeff Albrecht and all the other great NFL content and NBA content, MLB, all the sports. Um, we have the best writers and writing the best stuff in sports so join us the athletic.com slash can't wait and we will be back with you next week with a full recap 
of this Dolphins game uh, Monday or Tuesday. We'll figure it out as we go, depending on maybe Zach's travel plans. Uh, But we'll talk to everybody again soon. Thanks for joining us on the Can't Wait Podcast.